1: You're listening to Buzzbeat Radio, your premier Charlotte Hornets show.
2: All right, welcome in. Another episode of Buzzbeat Radio. Plenty to talk about. Uh, tonight, we're actually recording this on Halloween, so if you hear like a door knock in the background or my dog bark, it's because there's <laughs> trick-or-treaters that I'm not going to get to uh, because we were coming to you guys, talking horns basketball. Um, don't forget, we're a proud member of the Almighty Baller Podcast Network and home at QueenCityHoops.com. Uh, also, kind of sort of home over at SportsChannel8.com. Mm-hmm. We're part of their podcast network as well, so check them out, SportsChannel8.com. Calm. Um, All right. Well, before we go any further, want to uh, get to Richie. Richie's got some big, huge, um, intimidating, but awesome life news <laughs> that we're, I'm going to let him share. So, Richie, uh, well, some people saw it on Twitter yesterday, but, yeah. but tell us uh, your life has pivoted a little bit. What's going yeah. on? Yep. I, I, we've been talking. I've been talking about this for a while. How I need to take a back seat from the podcast, and I feel like I said that back at the beginning of the summer, and I never really did because I, I do. I'm, I am going to miss this for the next couple of. Uh, You know, months, years, however long I'm going to take off. But anyway, yeah, uh, my wife and I uh, delivered a baby on Sunday, uh, 4.30 a.m., October 28th. So that's something that's huge in our life, and I really haven't watched a ton of Hornets basketball since, so... My voice on here is not going to be heard uh, on episode 77 today. But yeah, he is, you know, taking up a big part of my life, and Hornets has to take a back seat. But I will still be here to kind of record you guys today. And um, as you guys transition, maybe one of you guys can do that. But uh, I'm happy to record as always. Awesome. Um, we've said it before. I'll say it always. We can't do it without Richie. Um, he really is the brains behind how all this works. And, um, just does such a good job at producing all this, and obviously uh, chiming in uh, knows his Hornets too. So we appreciate Richie all his efforts, and obviously congratulations to him and his wife on on the new baby. Um, Brian, I'll throw it to you in a second. I've got some less big life news, but I also have. There's just a lot of life changes, life <laughs> news going on with this with this crew right now. Uh, I will officially be moving to Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, super pumped about it. Uh, I'm not sure exactly when it'll happen mid November, but my wife and I closed on a house, uh, in wow. Matthews oh, wow. earlier this week. I, yeah, I'm telling you guys, yeah, I haven't even told you that yet. So this has been a one of those weeks where it's just like, there's not enough hours. There's not enough seconds in the day, a lot going on, but all really good stuff. I'm really excited. I'll have a new job in the Charlotte area. Uh, my wife will as well. So, yeah, I don't know, man. I, this is going to open up some doors from BuzzBeat Radio, um, kind of our coverage, what we do. Obviously, much more to follow on that way later. Uh, but, yeah, Richie, you and I are going to be able to hang out uh, a little bit more in person, not just uh, on the Internet <laughs> like weirdos uh, here soon enough. Yeah, so,
3: Richie, Richie, congrats on getting a babysitter for uh, for Beckett. That's right. Like, oh, when, you and the, when you and the wife need a night out, I think that's what Spencer just volunteered himself there for.
2: Yeah, you know my wife is a very good babysitter. So Richie, you and I can go after beers, you <laughs> yeah, know, you w- whenever. There <laughs> we go. No, so excited. Um, just a lot of good stuff happening here. But we are still committed um, amongst all of this yep. to bring you guys, uh, what we can here on the Hornets, and we've got a lot to talk about. BG, all right, what's your big life announcement?
3: <laughs> uh, not to nothing nearly along those lines. Uh. Got a few other things I'm kind of working on right now that are that are job career related, but uh no news to report on any of those fronts at the moment. Uh the biggest thing that I've been up today is that I put out a big box of candy for all the trick-or-treaters that I mean, as I'm like I'm you know, ten yards away from my front door where I'm recording this in my house here in Raleigh. So I do wanna say that as a kid This would bother me. I didn't like when people would just throw out the bucket of candy and just say, hey, please only take one or two. So I put out – so I feel like I'm compromising my morals a little bit here. But I suppose this is just getting – this is just growing up. But uh, put out the box of candy with a note saying take as many pieces of candy as you would like but think about others. And uh, I told everyone to have a spooktacular Halloween, too. So I threw a little pun in there, so I didn't feel quite as curmudgeon for just throwing out the box with candy and a, and a note on it. So happy Halloween to both of you guys. I think once we're done recording this, I may actually uh, partake in some of the Halloween festivities here in downtown Raleigh, too. So nothing too new to report, Um but yeah, basketball season's coming up. I was—I guess I was in Charlotte last week for ACC Media Day uh, at, at the Spectrum Center, which was cool. So, exhibition games are going on in the ACC right now, and in a few days we've got Duke Kentucky November sixth. So we've got—you uh, know—we we can start we can start scouting draft prospects now too. Is the other thing like, we can get on it now with some some draft coverage here too. So uh, busy times on the horizon. Uh, not with baby, not with move, but, yeah. but with uh, just uh, basketball season makes things hectic. That's all.
2: Well, it all counts the same in the end. I, you're definitely in the spirit, BG. Um, I didn't write anything down. I put a bowl full of candy out on the front porch, turned the light on, and I'm just going <laughs> to let the masses kind of figure it out for themselves. So um, that, that's, that's about it. <laughs> Halloween Spear. I was never a big Halloween e- even as a kid. I, I mean I just I don't know I don't know why. I don't like horror movies. I don't like scary stuff. So maybe that has something to do with it, but uh
3: I'm not a horror movie guy myself either. Like I'll fully admit that one. Yeah. Uh, which is which is saying I mean I guess I get enough of my uh my cheap thrills from watching The Hornets. So there's no need to go <laughs> seek there's no, there's no that, need to <laughs> seek terrors outside of that. Like I have my own <laughs> I have my own fantasy to, fantasy world to live in. So uh, but yeah, I'll fully admit not a big horror movie guy, uh, and I've definitely had to, to like try to act tougher around groups of people when they're like, "Yeah, should we put uh, the shining on?" And in my mind, it's like, "No, please don't no, Thanks. let's watch a comedy movie instead, but not. Nah, anyways, um, yeah, well, I, I like Halloween, but not scary movies. Well, speaking of uh, the terrifying
2: hornets not so terrifying here as of late, um, certainly not terrifying in these last few games. Um so let's let's jump right in. BG, you know, I I think we'll talk Chicago in Charlotte, talk that game, talk at Philly and then and then break down um, last night, Miami at Charlotte. Also, let's jump into some stats. There's plenty to dig into in terms of lineups and where the Hornets are ranking uh, from an offensive perspective, which is I can't believe they're second in the league right now. But we'll dive into that. So uh, that's kind of what we got coming up. That said, let's jump in. Um, The Hornets had a terrible loss in Chicago. Mm Um, last week, and then Chicago came to them two nights later last Friday night, and the Hornets looked as you would expect them to look against a team as bad as Chicago, which I think when it's all said and done, they got a shot to be one of the worst in the league. Yes. That, that's a pathetic yeah. group of uh, basketball players right now in terms of effort. Um, So Charlotte in that game points per possession, 138.5, which is, is as good, I mean, that's the 99th percentile uh, of, you know, of offensive rating, points per possession. Uh, so they were lights out offensively in that game, getting on the offensive glass, MKG really doing what he does best there, effective field goal percentage of sixty-five and a half. I mean, they, they were – it was all too easy. And then Kemba, obviously, with his big game as well. Um, BG, in this game, coming off the very disappointing loss at Chicago, how big was that performance – from a Charlotte team that I think we walked away from that Chicago game again in the Windy City, and we're like, "Oh Lord, here we go again. Can't win these games. We should lackluster performance. That was a big mm-hmm. performance for Charlotte to return home and do what they did.
3: Yeah, it was major. And I mean, I guess anytime you play Chicago twice in, in in one week, you're already counting two wins in your head. And Charlotte seemed to get a little bit ahead of themselves, but man, they came back off the off a pretty pretty long road trip. Came back to to uptown. Friday night, and and they just played outstanding. Uh, They they really did. 45% of their shots at the rim. Um, This was a dominant offensive performance. Kemba Walker did his thing, 5 of 10 shooting from deep, 30 points. Hornets, plus 20 with him on the court. Um, Nick Batum, 10 points, a plus 27. Look, I thought Chicago put up a little bit of fight early in this game. And then right around, I want to say it was maybe in the second quarter, but I think it was Wendell Carter Jr. for the Bulls, uh, the rookie out of Duke, whom I'm quite a fan of. And you know if you've been listening to this podcast or follow me on Twitter. But he blocked the shot. I think he blocked Cody Zeller. And the Mike even picked him up saying a few choice words to Cody Zeller uh, after that happened, uh, being pretty happy with himself for getting the blocked shot. And it just seemed like after that, Charlotte just went kind of bonkers. Like, it's sort of an arbitrary turning point. But, man, they were just dominant. And this game got out of hand really, really, really quickly. Um, Hornets as a team, uh, 14 three-pointers, which is a lot. Although, I guess it seems a little bit less because a couple nights later, Clay Thompson individually went out and hit 14 three-pointers <laughs> against the Bulls. But, uh, yeah, Hornets were 14 of 32 from deep, 15 of 16 from the line. Uh, I mean, 135 points on 93 field goal attempts. Um and 30 assists on 53 made field goals it was it was a really it was a clinical offensive performance against a team that's got to be the worst defensive unit in the league like i don't even care if the numbers say that's right or wrong this team with jabari parker loafing around up there like it's a bit of a joke yeah
2: defensively that group is just an absolute mess um kind of hard to fathom that jabari parker's making 20 million dollars this year uh (laughs) but guess what you can lock in bg uh The Bulls not picking up that option uh, this summer. I I would say that's a lock seven games into the NBA season. Um, But, yeah, look, you know, Tony Parker was really big in this game. We'll talk more about him later. 36.4 usage percentage. I mean, he is absolutely running the show with the second unit. And, look, I think the narrative across the league, really across the the country – uh, was going to be he just doesn't have legs left you know can't even play 50 games you know how much is he really going to help I, I think he's got legs left i think he's got plenty i mean he's showing yeah. emotion out there he's a coach off the bench uh when he's not in and, and when he gets out there i mean he's not hesitating and and it, he's beating guys off the dribble consistently he's getting to the rim consistently he's finishing like vintage tony parker and his mid-range game has been excellent so far in, the, in mm-hmm. you know in, in early in the season so a uh, really good performance for him in this one, he, 19 minutes, 7-11 from the field. I mean, getting up 11 shots in 19 minutes, uh, pretty impressive. Scores 18 points against Chicago. Um, so I just continue to be kind of in awe about what he's been able to give this second unit. Any lineup featuring Tony Parker seems to be humming right now. Um, you know, I don't really have a ton else from this game uh batum a little bit better from the field and that has become a little bit more of a, a trend here in these last few games which mm-hmm. is a very good sign for charlotte uh we were so close to the to the cd dmp for frank but he gets <laughs> in there late gets three minutes yeah. uh which i was a little disappointed by but i think we're still in good shape to hit the over on that 33 and a half
3: you gotta you, um, got you got a two shots in those four minutes too you oh she did them, but yeah. uh yeah, Frank Frank be chucking out there. That's for sure.
2: No question. If he, yeah, especially now because he knows his minutes are coming uh, few and far yeah. between. Um, yeah, not a not a whole else lot the, for this game.
3: The the one thing I the one other thing I'd offer up. This is this was a big Miles Bridges game. Seven and ten shooting. One of uh, one of three from deep. He also had five rebounds, two assists. I mean, two steals, two offensive rebounds. Like he sort of just filled up the stat sheet. And I continue to love the pairing of he and Michael kid Gilchrist playing together off the bench. Like what a fun comp- athletic combination that is two guys that attack the glass. They can switch across most positions and they're playing so freaking hard. I was just looking at this Chicago or pardon me, the Hornets score over 1.4 points per possession with Jabari Parker on the floor, which is just like light your hair on fire and jump out of a window bad. And you could just see like, if, This is one of those things where it's like you probably wish, if you're a Bulls fan, if you could just take. I don't want to question Jabari Parker's. Like, I'm not. I actually don't want to like go there and question his his heart and his desire. I don't want to do any of that. But like, watch how hard Michael Kidd-Gilchrist plays. And anytime there was a 50-50 ball between those two guys, a rebound, a chance where MKG could drop go go by him on the dribble drive, he just went right at that guy. I mean, just going right through him. And I just thought that tenacity was huge off the bench. MKG in about uh, 19 minutes in that game, 6-9 of from the field. Hornets plus 18 uh, with him on the court. Uh, And again, a little under 20 minutes per game. And that duo, Bridges and MKG, this season have been dynamite. 63 minutes with those two together on the court through eight games. Charlotte scoring 112 points per 100 possessions, giving up just 91 points per 100 possessions, uh, a net rating of plus 21 points per 100 and they have a true shooting rate with those two on the court of 59%. Like it's been that's working and yeah. it's really fun to see that being the wing duo off the bench as opposed to previous years where it was Marco Bellinelli or I mean Jeremy Lamb has obviously been a good a good facilitator at times but um, of a of, of good driver of second unit offense, but again, to keep going back to this part, they just they're just bringing so much more athleticism off the bench now than in the past when it was Frank Kaminsky or Bellinelli or Jeremy Lamb. Like it, just the product looks inherently different because they're more athletic and they're playing really hard.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, you you said it perfectly. The activity level is so high. Uh, the amount of pressure they can put on the ball by just seamlessly switching across multiple positions takes teams down, you know, to the end of the shot clock. And, you know, look, bridges is not a guy yet. And we knew this coming out of college. He, he, you know, he doesn't get into a stance consistently yet, but you can tell by watching him play as these games have gone on, as we've gotten a little deeper earlier in the season, that's a focus point for him. Um, but the ball, you know, is still getting past him off the dribble a little bit easier. But his ability, and we've already talked about this with MKG, those two guys and their ability to come from the weak side, or God Almighty, come from almost anywhere on the floor to mm-hmm. just play center, clean up, clean it up at the rim, and send the Hornets on a fast break the other direction has been special. It really has, and mm-hmm. it, you know, it's freeing Barrego up. These guys' activity activity level you know, to play that lineup with MKG as the five or Marvin as the five and go super small. I mean, it's, it's mm-hmm. literally, it starts with guys like miles bridges and Michael Kidd Gilchrist and what they're able to bring to the table with really what is just an immeasurable type of play. You know, you di- you can't measure effort. You can't mm-hmm. measure activity level. You can't measure communication
3: and MKG and, and bridges bring those things every single night. Um, and two, two other things I want to just throw out there real quickly about Bridges. 39% of this guy's field goal attempts at the rim. 16% of his field goal attempts corner threes. Uh, 39% of his field goal attempts overall are three-pointers. The guy's shooting from the money areas on the court, which is super encouraging to see. Uh, he's also shooting 65% on his two-point attempts, which is which is always nice, too. And one last thing on MKG from that Chicago game. Zach Levine lit the Hornets up last Wednesday night, a week ago from when we were recording this in in uh, in Chicago. And MKG had some really good minutes against him in the Friday night win in uptown for the Hornets. And again, like he's just doing everything that gets asked of him by James Borrego off the bench, and it continues to be super impressive and super encouraging. And if you've been if you've been riding with MKG for a while, including the injuries and the the twitter photos of him and his his broken jump shot like it's it's just cool to see it's it's been one it's been one of the most pleasant surprises of the season not just with the hornets but in my opinion the entire league
2: um hornets in
3: philadelphia
2: on this next game which oh it's the very next night actually right yeah yeah back to back yep Back-to-back. Second of a back-to-back. Neither team lit it up offensively here. Uh, Charlotte was 105.2 offensive rating. Philly 105.1. So, Charlotte actually a little bit better. Uh, both teams really took care of the ball. Um, yeah, Charlotte didn't get to the free throw line, which they have not been great at so far this season. Um, mm-hmm. Philly did a lot, which is what they do, especially with a guy like with Embiid. Um, yeah, just not a great offensive game here. Uh, I thought Charlotte, you know, they only played 10 guys. Um, Tony Parker sat this game. We saw Devontae Graham for the first time in the mm-hmm. NBA. Um, and he had some solid minutes. I mean, let's just start there. Um, you know, thirteen minutes, three of five from the floor, one of two from behind the arc, a few assists, a few rebounds, seven points total. I mean, he really came in and I thought that he he, he helped the second unit. Mm-hmm. That unit struggled defensively, I think, at times. But um, you know, in this game it's it's okay. We get our first look at Devontae Graham. Malik Monk really, really struggled in this cool boy. This is and this is another example, though, BG. I just I keep taking note of this. And it's so much different than Clifford. Borrego is not afraid. Like, he notices Malik's taking crappy shots. Mm-hmm. He's not feeling it. You know, he can't see anything go in. I'm not going to force play him here, you know? Yeah. So so he gives Miles Bridges 30 minutes. Lamb plays 29. Uh, Batum gets, you know, doesn't get, you know, 27, 28 minutes. He gets 31 instead because Monk's struggling. So Monk only plays 12 minutes in this game. It's just another example how Borrego's going to play the hot hand. He's going to play the guy that's helped putting the ball in the basket. And, you know, it, it really doesn't, it's not rinse repeat. This is the, the, the allocation of minutes everyone's getting, you know, on a nightly basis. I appreciate that. It kept Charlotte in the game. Um, it, it really, this one boiled all down to Kimball Walker. He took 30 shots, he made 11. He was only three of 14 from behind the arc. When he struggles like that, you got to, the Hornets have to have one other guy score like 20 points, right? Yeah, right. They didn't get it in this game. Um, But they played hard. The effort was clearly there on the second night of a back-to-back, which Philly was not on. And they had a chance to win it in the end and came up just short.
3: Yeah, I thought this was a rough game for Malik. And so it was nice to see him bounce back uh, last night against Miami because he he was 1-for-8 against Philadelphia. And there were all kinds of bad shots. Like he's still shooting too much, too many dribble pull-ups. I mean, it's like a, I don't know, I can pull up the numbers here in a second, but about a quarter of his shots or maybe 20% of his shots this year have been pull-up twos outside of 10 feet. That's a little too much uh, for my opinion. But yeah, Devontae Graham looked good in this game. I thought he even got in the jersey of some of Philly's guards. And I, he's got like, uh you know, it's, this is such a – I'm making this comparison because it's too easy. But, like, the way he gets in opponents kind of looks like T.J. McConnell a little bit, you know, just grabbing an easy name from the Sixers. But, like, smaller guards and the way they defend, it's just it's just fun to watch. Like, they, they're applying ball pressure that opponents don't want to deal with. Um, as you said, it sort of came down to Kemba. And he's – look, Kemba's been on fire to start this year, and he's basically had seven – good to great games and one game that he was not so great in, which was this game in part because Philadelphia can just, I mean, it's tough to think of a team that's going to affect Kemba with length more than Philadelphia. Do you know what I mean? Like, cause you're going to be dealing with Covington every time down the court or Simmons. Sure
2: yeah, absolutely. You know,
3: and like in, and again, as good as Kemba has been, especially on pull up threes. And by the way, no one's made more than him this year. Uh, let me pull up these numbers real quickly because I had, yeah, Kemba's made 19 pull-up threes. That's most in the NBA. Curry is second with 15. But Kemba was 0 of 10 on pull-up three-point attempts in that game. Like, that, Charlotte just isn't going to win games against good teams when he doesn't make at least a few of those. So much of the right. offense is, hey, especially when it against the big, like, Embiid, you know, when that guy drops, like, you've got to be able to hit walk-up threes. And I just think Covington's, Size and Covington's not just big; he's an he's an all he's, he is he's an all NBA defense level player, and right. he's you know seven or inches, eight inches taller than Kemba too. So that's tough. Um,
2: yeah, and and Hernan Gomez doesn't play in this game either. Uh, Biz gets those minutes, which, which I get it. Like you want a guy <laughs> like Biz to come in, and I kind of get it, right? You you want yeah. him to come in and bang with him beat a little bit. I mean, he he is. This is where his utility player value comes into it comes and gives you some value because he can come in and bang challenge guys be physical what you have to be with Embiid one of the things I really circled in this game was you know they're gonna Philly's length as you touched on is gonna really it's gonna make life hard on Kimba especially in the pick and roll they're gonna blitz him Embiid's gonna blitz he's capable mm-hmm. of doing that I kind of circled Cody Zeller here zero assists um, and maybe you can pull up like the secondary assist, the hockey assist, if he had any of those. But this is one of those games where you think, let's pull and beat. Let's a lot of one five pick and roll. Let's try to get Embiid as far away from the rim as we possibly can, and then play out of that mm-hmm. with the roll or a guy like Zeller. So I circled that zero assist, and I'm sure there were plenty of opportunities there that uh, that the Hornets just weren't able to capitalize when Kimball was trapped. And it just kind of no one else could get going, and it just turned into all Kemba. So, um, so that definitely hurt the Hornets from an offensive perspective in this one. Um, and as we touched on earlier, they need they need somebody else to score at least twenty when Kemba's struggling like that.
3: Yeah, no doubt. And yeah, I just looked no secondary assist for uh, Cody Zeller in this game. One for Miles Bridges. One for uh, Kemba Walker too. And this look, this was a game too in general. Hornets really struggled uh shooting from deep. The nine of thirty-five, uh they were four of seventeen on catch and shoot threes, uh twenty-three and a half percent. They were three of sixteen again, most of those being Kemba's misses on pull up threes, that's under nineteen percent. And yeah, look, one of the one of the things that the team's the team's playing well, and I think it's sort of like slightly exceeding some of the, the optimistic preseason expectations if you had them of the team. But one of the things that has been kind of missing with them so far this year is Marvin Williams has not shot the ball very well. The Hornets have been yeah. great on catch-and-shoot open threes. In fact, for almost 46% on catch-and-shoot wide open threes this year with no defender within six feet. They're second in the NBA to only Indiana, who shoots uh, fewer of them. But this was a game where Marvin um, – yeah, he just he missed a couple big ones. And right now in the season, 7 of 31, Marvin Williams, that is, 22% with no defender within four-plus feet. And there was one exchange that I made note of in the fourth – I think it was in the fourth quarter. Yeah, Hornets are down two. Embiid, I think he hit – either Embiid drove and fell or he went for an offensive rebound and he fell. And the Hornets got the ball, went back the other way, five on four. Marvin had a wide open um, – I don't think it was quite a corner three, but like open catch and shoot from like the, the bend and he missed it and Philadelphia came down and scored. And that just look, you you never, you can never boil down, boil the one game down to, to one possession, but that was just a huge, like that gives Charlotte the lead. Maybe that gets, you know, Marvin going and and it was just a tough, a tough miss. But look for the second night of a back to back when you didn't have a good shooting game, like you couldn't get Kemba going. You couldn't, no one could hit from deep. Um, some inspired play from Miles Bridges, who got up six threes in this game, including three from the corner. Uh, I think yeah. I have that right. And, and they almost beat a team that's going to win. Or not. Nah, let me take that back. They didn't almost beat, but they they played very hard against the team that's going to win, you know, 50 games and be the third or fourth seed in the East. And so I thought that was, an, you know, there's no more victories in the NBA, but if there was one, this is sort of what it looks like, I think.
2: Yeah, last thing I got on this one is just <clears throat> Kimball Walker usage percentage, 47.5%. Yeah. Percent. No other starter uh, got passed. Was any, Lamb had the second highest at 174 so that's just too high you know, for Kimball. Yeah. He's got to yep. get a little bit of help there. And then you, know, you add on Malik can't get it going, and really the bench doesn't give you much. Tony Parker can't come in and, and, and give you a spark as he got the night off on this one. Um, so just not enough weapons there. Uh, for Charlotte in Philly. What's good, y'all? This is your boy Justin, a.k.a. Just Blaze, host of Above the Rim. And if you want a raw take on the NBA,
3: Above the Rim is a show for you. With dope beats and entertaining guests each week, we offer a great new insight on all things NBA. You don't want to miss it. Find it on iTunes,
2: Stitcher Radio, and the Almighty Baller Network. Um... All right, so last night, uh, Miami comes to town on the second of a, of a back-to-back. They lost to Sacramento the night before. Um, so, you know, Charlotte, this is a game. <laughs> you look at it and you say, all right, we got to we gotta have this game, especially with Miami coming on the second of a back-to-back. Hornets' yeah. offense was excellent, 127.6 points per possession. Um, that's up there. It's ninetieth percentile in the league. Effective field goal percentage, 62.3. Uh, Charlotte got to the free throw line a lot last night. That – that is something I'm looking for. There's like four or five stats I'm looking for every game mm-hmm. uh, for this team. And that's one of them because they're not, they just don't really have the, the keys to get to the free throw line consistently. But they do it last night. They capitalize from there, um, continue to, to take care of the ball. Um, let's see here. Kimba was this is the game that I've kind of been waiting to see from the rest of the supporting cast, you know, for Charlotte is mm-hmm. when is Kimma going to take a little bit of a backseat and, and last night, not a back seat, but when is he not going to have the pressure to carry the whole offense? And last yeah. night was the game. Um, Kim was six of 14. That that's great. I think we want him to take at least 20 shots, but he takes 14. He's getting help. All right. Awesome. I'll take it. 19 points, eight assists, uh, ball is flying around last night. Nick Batum, probably his best game of the year so far uh, mm-hmm. from from a four-quarter perspective. He was really good in the Orlando game earlier, early in that game, but but last night, full performance, 7-10 from the field, 3-5 from behind the arc. He was just, he was aggr- 20 points. He was aggressive. Um, mm-hmm. He was aggressive to attacking the basket. He was not hesitant, um, even if he had a little bit of space. I can remember One instant, I think he stuck one in Magruder's eye uh, as the shot clock was winding down. And it was just, it was a great contest from Magruder. But, you know, Batum, just quick trigger. Uh, You just don't see that from him very often. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the one other performance that's notable, notable, Tony Parker. I mean, wow. 25 minutes, 24 points, 8 of 15 from the floor, knocked down his only three that he took, and 11 assists. I mean, this is like like throw Tony Parker in a time machine and go back like eight seasons. I mean, this, yep. and that's what I was talking about earlier, BG. He's, he still has a burst. I mean, there mm-hmm. are some legs in there and left And the Hornets have made it very obvious. They're not going to play him on back-to-backs often and they're going to preserve whatever they've got left in the tank. And if they're able to do that consistently, um, Tony Parker's going to help this team. It looks like the Hornets, uh, the early returns look good. It looks like they won that signing.
3: Yeah, I, I tend to agree. And, and look, that's probably the best you can you can expect from from Tony Parker. But uh, what what an amazing performance! Eleven assists, uh, only two turnovers. He was attacking, getting to the rim. I mean, going right at Dragic and uh, Bumpy Johnson. <laughs> Tyler Johnson, I think, was the one guy he really got after uh, in that game. And the, the Hornets were just incredible. 125 points on only 81 field goal attempts. 13 to 28 from deep, uh, 29 free throw attempts they make 24, 83% from the line, uh, 27 assists on 44 made field goals. All of that was absolutely sensational, and I thought it was big too because they got a win when the when the starters didn't play that well. So so far this year, like the starters, that's clearly been the one like high usage lineup that Brego is. At this point, it's super early, and we'll see how things split off, especially when there are injuries and stuff like that, too. But so far, the starters have played 107 minutes together so far this season. I believe that's a top-five number in the NBA. No other lineup for Charlotte has played more than 25 minutes. Uh, Starters, 108 points per 100 possessions, net rating of plus-7. Uh, Steve Clifford's principles die hard only in 11.9% turnover rate. And they're playing a little bit of a slower pace uh, under 102, uh wonder 102 possessions per 48 minutes, which overall Charlotte's actually like a bottom five or 10 team in terms of pace. But I say all that to bring up that the starters didn't really play that well uh, against Miami 11 minutes for the first five, they scored only like 92 points per 100 possessions. They Only give up 100 points for 100 possessions, too. But this was a huge performance off the bench from Malik Monk and Tony Parker. And I think you were sort of talking about the difference from last season to to this year. And I think two things I want to bring up. One, which is just sort of like the difference in terms of veteran culture-setting leadership between Dwight Howard and Tony Parker. And again, eight game samples, you know, the season, we're only through 10% of the season, a little less. But you can just see him coaching team, coaching guys in the huddle. Everyone's looking at him, and they're just bringing some of these these cool small pieces from San Antonio to Charlotte. Tony Parker wanted a role, and so far, he seems to be deserving and delivering on it, even though. uh, If they had lost last night, maybe I would be a little more critical of some of these mid range attempts he's taken, which have been a lot. But I'm willing to live with it when he's getting downhill and attacking and setting teams up like that. So, the other thing that I want to bring up to the difference from last season to this season, and it centers on Malik Monk, which is I think if Malik had a performance like he did at Philadelphia a season ago, and this isn't maybe this isn't fair of me, but. You know, he wouldn't play in the second half, or maybe he wouldn't even be back in the rotation the next night, assuming everyone was, the team was at full strength. And again, he was pretty bad. According to Cleaning the Glass in that Philadelphia game, Monk, 44% usage, which is insane. Uh, One of five field goal attempts came after three dribbles, all from inside the arc. Uh, Monk, prior to the Miami win, was shooting just four of 16 um On pull up twos outside of 10 feet this season. That was 21% of his field goal attempts. But let's go flash forward a couple nights later in Spectrum against Miami, Malik Monk, 20 points on 11 shooting possessions. He hits four three pointers in this game. All four of those threes are off the catch. And the only two pointer that he took that wasn't at the rim was that like end of the quarter floater that he had to make something out of nothing and got a bucket for the Hornets because like, he can do that like he's a skilled offensive player um, and can attack one-on-one and i continue to enjoy to see how he involves willie aaron and gomez like he's a very much a willing passer and i like to see how even though i think he's had a, an okay not not good or great start to the season but he's had certainly had some moments and last night against miami was clearly his best game and i give him a lot of credit for that and i give the new staff a lot of credit for that too
2: yeah, he was good last night. I'm, I'm glad you brought him up. Um, going back to Monk real quick, but, you know, it, last night, to your point, you know, the catch-and-shoot game was excellent. He hit some some huge shots off the offensive rebound. Uh, the one at the top it, and towards the end of the fourth quarter was enormous. It kind of put the Hornets clear in that one. Um, you know, in, in the one-on-one game, the potential is there. Um, you know, he's going to continue to develop that part of his game. You know, he still takes some Chucky – you know, stinky shots every now and then, whether that be, you know, closer to the, to the rim or, Mm -hmm. you know, those, those, you know, fade away mid-ranger types, you know, uh, but he's a capable passer too. So you got to continue to allow him to just kind of work on that one-on-one isolation game. But when he is allowed to be and enabled to be a catch and shoot player because he's playing with Tony Parker more, or he's playing with Kimball Walker more, that's where Malik Monk serves this team this season in the Mm -hmm. greatest way. Uh, because he, he's such a lethal shooter when he sees a few go in. Uh, we learned that last night. So big uh, uh, big rebound game for him. Um, and then MKG had this in my notes. You know, this spacing just continues to help him so much offensively. Yep. The, the, I mean, these little runners through the lane, uh, it's, a, it's like almost a hook shot, but not quite. It's more like a push shot over <laughs> his left shoulder with his right hand. But if he can go right and, and get – close to the rim, you know, right at the restricted mm-hmm. area, kind of. He puts that shot in uh, more yep. commonly than maybe I would have expected so far this season, shooting 65.6% in the restricted area. Uh, wow. That's that's okay. I mean, that's pretty good for a wing, you know. Um, in the paint, uh, non-restricted area, it's, it's 40%, so it's a little less maybe than I thought, but he hasn't taken that many. Those are okay uh,
3: numbers, though. Those are okay yeah. For a guy that's not super long and doesn't dunk a ton, you know what I mean? Like, those are those are okay numbers, actually. Yeah, yeah, they're not terrible. So,
2: you know, MKG just offensively, you, it's just night and day, the difference. He's not just standing and moving around in no man's land. He's playing with a purpose. He's touching it. He's moving it. If he, if he feels like he doesn't have an advantage to go by his guy. But if, if he feels like he does have an advantage, he's attacking and he's finishing. And this is very refreshing because it's not something we've watched from MKG consistently we already know his uh, his value on the defensive end. So he's a completely different player. I, I don't think we knew exactly what to expect in this system from him. Let you know, the narrative was a little bit like, yeah, you know, he's going to be the odd man out. Like, where does he fit? Got to get Miles Bridges minutes. Um, you know, we were anticipating maybe Frank gets those minutes at four. You know, that's mm-hmm. no longer in the conversation. But I would say Kid Gilchrist has benefited from this system as much as anybody. You know, not named Kemba Walker, I guess, so far. Uh, but it but it's been it's been awesome to watch him. Um, anything else, BG? What else from this game did you
3: have, if anything? Couple, couple other things too. So the, in the last episode, we we sort of highlighted uh, secondary assist as a number to watch for the Hornets. And through the first about week and a half of the season, they were averaging two per game. And those are you know we're thinking that matters because hey, when teams blitz and trap Kemba and he throws it to a playmaker. And then they got to go, you know, either they got to go score four on three, or they've got to hit a shooter, or they hit a cutter for a dunk or whatever. Hornets have four secondary assists in this game, uh, which is a big number for them. And good to see basically, you know, double what they've been putting up uh, earlier in the season. Um, and Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, by the way, up to 17 screen assists now. Like, it, which is more than he had all of last season, which was 14. And it's been very, very cool to see him... At one point during Miami, he was the you know they they play Marvin at the technically at five at five defensively, but MKG's playing the the one with the four around him on offense, and it's just cool to see him with all of that room uh, in, in in the paint and surrounded by shooters. And this was a big night for the three guard lineup and the double point guard lineup. Do you want to talk about that at all? Maybe based on you know, do you think? I'll just throw this out there so we can maybe get into a conversation on it. What do you think of lineups with Tony Parker and Kemba Walker out there together? Uh, I mean, I'm a little bit indifferent on him. I
2: think that, you know, I think that it's it's certainly matchup based. Offensively, it's been killer, right? Like yeah. they are just lighting the nets on fire when those two guys are on the floor. And obviously the the biggest positive is you have two playmakers that are going to draw so much attention from the defense that if you place, you know, the the right players around them, you know, you're going to get a lot of open shots, a lot of open looks, Um, you know, defensively we'll, we'll see if this is able (laughs) to, to kind of hold its own right now. I don't have the numbers right in front of me. I looked them up earlier today and now I can't remember. it's, it's not great, but the net rating is still pretty massive because yeah. of how good they've been offensively so you, you can't say well it's not working yet. I do think that as the season goes on you'll see less and less of it because Agreed. when you got Tony Parker and, and, and Kimball Walker on the floor if I'm an opposing coach uh, you know there's an opportunity to punish that mm-hmm. and and you know just don't you play off Parker? Go under everything. Make him shoot that mid-range jumper, and let's just put all the attention on Kimba. You know, I, I do think there's more of a defensive um, strategy that is workable there than than an offensive strategy to just go to counter, go small, and then try to outscore him. Right? Mm-hmm. Like I think there's an opportunity there for opponents. So I think it'll correct itself a little bit, but mm-hmm. it's it's really good for Borrego to have in his back pocket and. Uh. You know, and he knows he can go to it when he feels like he just doesn't have anything else really working offensively, mm-hmm. and you get into a late-game situation against someone, and you're like, look, it looks like we're just going to have to outscore this team tonight. I'm going with Parker and, and, and Kimba and mm-hmm. Monk, Batum, Marvin, MKG, whatever, and we're just going to try to outscore. I mean, to just have that in your toolbox is important.
3: Yeah, agreed. And I actually, not to do the whole – the uh, vintage Busby group think here, but I actually agree. Like, I do think it is a (laughs) situation. I do think it's a situational thing. Like, I I don't think it's, I don't think that can be an every night thing for them. And I think if it is, that's sort of a problem. That also means, you know, Lamb or Monk, it's not, Lamb or Monk aren't playing up to their standards and things are too hard for Kemba. I will say with those two on the court this year, not a lot of minutes, obviously Hornets, Right at 1.3 points per possession, it's a big number, but again, not a lot of not a lot of data to go off of. During that time, though, with Tony Parker on the floor, Kemba Walker eight of ten from beyond the arc, uh, which is certainly cool to see. It gets him off ball a little bit more, and I know we can get into the whole like thought process behind. Well, is it a good thing to take your one sort of shot creator, who's clearly your best player? take the ball out of his hands and give it to someone else. I mean, it seems counterintuitive, I know. But Kemba's such a damn good catch-and-shoot player, and you can tell it frees him up. And they even, one of the, you know, Miami's Miami was going to lose but was sort of sticking around. And with about a minute left left last night, Hornets up 11. Again, Miami's got probably, you know, a 1% chance of winning that game. But they play one of those little games where Parker's holding the ball, pounding it up top. They're setting baseline screens, Aaron and Gomez and MKG and Kemba and Malik sort of like curl. I don't know. I guess it is sort of like a little bit of a floppy look, but they sort of like are like, hey, which one of us is going to go run off this down screen? You know, yeah. yeah. And and, and everybody's got to be thinking, crap, anybody but Kemba. Right. Like anybody but Kemba, anybody but Kemba. And the two Miami guards got mixed up. Malik immediately just jetted off the the, the pin down from uh, uh, Aaron and Gomez, splash a three that you know the game was sort of already out of doubt, but that certainly put a nail in the coffin. And it's cool to see the Hornets be able to play those games a little bit. Where yeah. you look, you never you never want to make the comparison of Charlotte to Golden State. You're you're comparing apples to the best orange you've ever seen in your entire life, but. Like that stuff that Golden State does with Steph and Clay, right? You know, like that it's that type of damn, both of these guys are shooting are going to shoot 40 plus percent off the catch. Like, who do we do? Who do we guard when they're sort of like both sort of playing games with each other on the baseline and deciding who's going to run off this screen, who's going to run off that screen? Um, I again, I don't think lineups with Tony and Kemba can be super sustainable, especially if Monks a part of that picture too is like the third wing. I do think I'm a little curious to see how it would function if Zeller and MKG are out there too. Yeah. Like two two guys that sort of just like prop up a defense. Like a defense can be but only so bad if those two guys are out there. Um and obviously they have they can do good stuff offensively too. So that that would be my one little caveat is I'd like to see a little more of it, not too much of it. And I think there are things like if it works, it's not a fluke. Like there are things right. that lineup can do that makes sense, and if defense is an issue, I do think featuring it with Zeller and MKG can offset a little bit of the uh, the the size disadvantages that you'd have on the perimeter. Right, right. right. Um, yeah. The last
2: point I want to make about the you know the Parker, Kemba small ball lineup is just that I think it's we got to remember that Borrego has installed an offensive series excuse me, um, that Tony Parker has run his whole life in the NBA, and it is putting him in comfortable spots. He's not coming into this new system where he's you know, having to run stuff he's never run. In San Antonio, you know, they put in this zipper series with, with the, mm-hmm. the classic wedge um, yep. you know, pick and roll that Tony Parker you know, made a living off of. So I'm sure that played a huge role in how another role in how Charlotte was able to land him Prego just saying, hey, man, look, when you're in the second unit, we're running your stuff, just so you know. Like, mm-hmm. we're going to put you in the spots where you've been comfortable your whole career. I think that's important. They do the same kind of stuff when Kimba's out there with Parker, by the way, if you've noticed. So when Parker's in there, they really do cater to him. I think because they know on the fringes, if this team wants to really get to the playoffs, they've got to they max out what they can get from him. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, that's why I think the offense has been – at least that's a big part of why I think the offense – featuring Kimba and Parker has been so stellar. Um, the other point you were making earlier, and, and this is kind of where, like, again, on the fringes, it's why the Hornets have the number two offense in the NBA right now, because the sets they're running, there is a very clear, at least from what I'm watching, a very clear read and react um, style to what they're doing, which is which is not the case in the past with Clifford. It was more concrete, You're Mm -hmm. setting a screen for this guy. He's coming here. You're going there. You know, bang your head against the wall. That's what we're going to do until it works. (laughs) Um, You know, but to your point, you were talking about a play a minute ago, and I know exactly the type of play you're looking at. They'll put Kim in the corner, put Batum down there, they'll put Parker down there, whoever. They'll come off this stagger, Mm -hmm. floppy-looking, pin-down screen. But a lot of times what's happening is teams have countered this. If it's Kim coming off of it, they'll try to deny him. Almost, Mm and I've seen Batum do it too, immediately. Those guys go backdoor. The guy Mm -hmm. that's setting the first screen, the top screen on the stagger, flips, comes over it. His guy's helping from the backdoor cut, and now we got space and we're playing. So it's just Mm -hmm. these little principles that these guys have picked up so quickly and how effective they've been able to be, I think, on a lot of these quick reads. You know, you, you can't measure it, and I can't throw it into an algorithm for you of why they're the number two offense in the league, but that has a lot to do with it because the ball isn't sticking nobody's standing, the reads mm-hmm. are fast, spaces as quickly as they open and close defensively uh, in this league, the Hornets are, are are actually reacting to that quicker than the defense is. So that's really why they've been able to be effective. And keeping fresh legs is, is going to be important because a read-and-react style offense is not easy. It takes a lot of effort. Yeah. Um, but I just looked it up as I as I was having that thought a minute ago. Kemba at 33.9 uh, minutes per game, tied with Batum. So positive. I would say through eight games, very that's very okay. Yeah. yeah, that's fine. That's okay, 34 is about as good I think as we could hope for. Um, mm-hmm. So so that's a positive. I mean, as good as he's been, and as efficient as he's been, and and as sometimes we feel like God, that's Kemba's just the entire offense we're not trotting him out there. We're not trotting him out there 40 minutes a game uh, early in the season. So that's been a positive as well.
3: He was also able to dial back the usage some uh, last night against, uh, against Miami too. Like he entered that game second in the league to only Giannis in usage rate after last night, he's down to fifth in the NBA behind Giannis Levine Booker and Westbrook, 33.6% usage rate. Um, the crazy thing about Kemba, like, you know, it's top five in the league in usage rate, this this thing has jumped out to me. I looked at this yesterday and again today. Kemba Walker turnover rate of only 7%. It's amazing. So like, it's crazy. So, like, this guy, he's shooting. He's just shooting a ton. Like, he's just yeah. – the, the guy's just getting up. Shit. I mean, can't turn it over if you're shooting it in from 25 feet, you know, right. uh, of which he's been doing a lot of this year. Um but, yeah, no, I think, like, that that number, I mean, obviously it's going to probably creep back up to, you know, 11 or 12% at some point. But it's crazy that he's using a lot of possessions, but he's not turning the ball over. He's getting to the free throw line or he's just getting shots up, which this offense is, it, again, it really needs him to do that. And I haven't thought, just backtracking very briefly for one second, you're talking about how it's a little more fluid offensively, a little more, hey, let these guys make their own reads. And as the season goes along, they can become a little more comfortable so we've seen them. They're going to run you know, a dozen wedge pick and rolls every game on, on the sideline. They ran two of them very early to start the game against Miami. And after the wing set the screen for Zeller to go over to pick for, for Kemba, and I think it was Lamb one time, I think it was Batum, um, as opposed to clearing out and going all the way to the opposite corner, they actually snuck back yeah it was sort of like hanging Mellow, out short like, corner area yep, yeah they got they, two layups out of yep, it. yep boom right off that now yep. I think part of that Miami was guarding those pick and rolls weird they were having the extra wing defender just sort of like come up and like they were basically assigning three guys to Kemba yep. and Cody which was uh, that seemed to not make a ton of sense to me great um, great observation BG and I think I, I need to go back
2: and look at it but their counter I, that wasn't a counter for them, I think they showed that a lot in miami, and, uh, okay. and I know exactly what you're talking about, Batum got a layup out of it, and yeah. somebody else I can't remember who I think it was,
3: think it was yeah
2: so it was very simple by Borrego, I think this is my guess, Brago counter and said just don't don't clear to the opposite corner, just stop right in the short corner yeah. if they Crazy. put that guy in
3: no man's land, let's just take a layup
2: you know yeah. it's a, it's a very simple fix, but that's a good eye
3: yeah, and uh Cody Zeller got up two three pointers last night, missed them, but they both looked good like just. Keep shooting them, big fella. Like, like those are going to go in occasionally, and the the value they provide. They were both wide open. And seriously, like he looks good. You know, he looks he looks more comfortable than some of the other big guys that have tried to add three pointers overnight. You know, microwave a three pointer overnight the last couple of years. And this is, I think it's more impressive Cody Zeller saying I'm going to take pick and pop threes from 25, 26 feet than it is Derek Favors being like, well, I'm going to take like I'm going to try to take a wide open catch-and-shoot three from the corner at 23 feet. Like, I just think it's right. it's impressive that he's taking it. And I want to get this in real quickly, too, because Kemba and Cody, man, like, the, Like what? Uh, once again, they continue to be just so damn good next to one another. Um, Kemba, 31% assist rate this season, two assists per game going to Zeller. Zeller's shooting 64% after a pass from Kemba, including a three-pointer that he hit. So his effective shooting clip's even higher than that. Uh, maybe, you know, a little bit, few percentage points higher than that. With Kemba and Cody out there, 112 points for 100 possessions. Like, these guys are awesome. And Spencer, you put the video out on, on Twitter last night of the one where Kemba, you know, looked like he was going to pull up from the elbow. And he even got into the air and was, like, in a shooting position. He waited for the defense to clear. And Cody, you know, because he's Zeller, man, he never stops running. Like, he just kept dive-bombing to the rim. Kemba hit him in stride for the slam. And it was a thing. I mean, it was a filthy pass and a thing of beauty and something that comes with both of those guys having a ton of reps with each other and just sort of growing into the players that they were that they can become Kemba an elite pick and roll guard and and Cody a pretty darn good uh screen setting rim runner so I that that to me was like maybe the play of the game last night
2: yeah to me it was like the play of the season just because I when I watched it you know I was just like Kemba's I've seen him make plays like that before but what he's been doing so far early in the season, and then watching him, you, it's almost like watching him in midair the whole time. Mm-hmm. You going back and watching a rewind of it, he knew exactly where he was going. He just needed to see Zeller out of his peripheral, and uh, just the patience and how slow the game is right now. It's so fun to watch, man. This guy is just so freaking good, and uh, and, and I don't know, yeah, you know, I don't know if he can keep it up, but if he can stay, you know, if he has a thirty points per game season in him he's we're literally going to hear kimball walker's name involved in mvp conversations this like within like the next two or three weeks which is unbelievable i mean shooting splits right now are 46 41 84 i mean that's up there with with anybody in the league in terms of point Mm -hmm. guard top three scorers in the league right now steph kimba damian lillard i mean it's a point guards league. It's a small man's league right now. And Kemba's at the top of it. And it's just so fun to think about that, that, that we've yeah. arrived at this. I mean, it, it really is cool. It's special. Um, so go Kimba. All right. Well, look, let's look ahead BG at the schedule and then to wrap this, we'll do a, a mm-hmm. fun thing where we just kind of, me and you will just give our uh, one most surprising thing we see around the league right now. I uh, mm-hmm. just kind of thought about that. We could maybe insert that into our in season pods here. Cool. But, Uh, For the Hornets coming up, tomorrow night, uh, Oklahoma City at home. Of course, PG and uh, Russ Westbrook dropped 32 apiece last night, so perfect timing for them to roll into Charlotte tomorrow night as they look awesome. Uh, And then after that, it's Saturday night, home versus Cleveland. Next Tuesday, home versus Atlanta. So three straight home games here. You look at Cleveland Atlanta, you say you got to have those games. If the Mm. Hornets steal one from Oklahoma City tomorrow, we're looking at seven and four, and yeah. you know I think we're starting to talk about Charlotte
3: competing in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, yeah. no doubt, especially because Washington looks so bad, and I mean I'm sure our boy mm-hmm. Dwight Howard's going to show up Friday night and just rectify all Don't the. Don't worry, he's on the true. way. He's coming to save. Oh the day. boy, just I mean it just so there's someone else's problem now. Like you know that it continues. I texted you guys about this last night, but just. You know, I'm just watching through TV, but the vibe around this team seems to be, and they're playing good ball, so that helps, but the vibe just seems to be so good around the team. We're not even talking about the fact that there's a superstar with free agency. You know, we've talked about it plenty, but since the season started, there's been less discussion on Canvas free agency. Like, they're just sort of living in the moment, playing good ball. Everyone seems to be getting along and uh and again yeah and washington i mean enjoy that like really seriously it's good that you had your stuff in order before (laughs) before dwight showed up oh wait you didn't um so yeah no i like the way the schedule sets up yeah westbrook the thunder clippers game was great last night too so uh yeah we'll see it'd be interesting to see too i imagine tomorrow we'll get uh players of the month for each each conference and um could certainly see there being a good chance that Kemba gets uh Eastern conference player of the month too. So I know it's only the like half month of October, but something to keep an eye on as well.
2: It's a good point. It's A good point. Kemba should definitely, there's no question he's in the conversation for that. Um, all right, BG, well I'll throw it to you first. Most, yeah. as we wrap here, most
3: surprising storyline, stat, whatever you want early in this NBA season. So I would say Houston at one and five and just getting absolutely destroyed by everybody, but they've had a weird start to the year in general, just, You know, Chris Paul suspended, James Harden injured, James Ennis injured, and I'm just waiting a little bit longer before I get a before I get a vibe on them. Uh, The thing that I do want to highlight, maybe it's not a surprise, but just I love watching Toronto play basketball. The Raptors are incredible. Kawhi's fitting in there seamlessly. They look like a, a war machine up north of the border. I love their roster. And so, yeah, I think my thing might be – I think that's the team that's best in the East. My hot take now is if anybody's going to beat Golden State this year, it might be Toronto.
2: Yeah, they look really, really scary. Somehow they're scary not – good. Defensive rating. It feels like they're easily number one. I mean, they they have the ability uh, to be the best defensive team. I think when they get scary. to the postseason, like they might be one of the better postseason defensive teams we've seen ever in the <laughs> NBA. Uh, but that, that's down the road. My surprise so far is Milwaukee. Uh, you know, I just, I, I expected them to be good. I knew there was like a, a possibility that they were going to turn a corner and win 52, 53 games this year, which it looks like right now they're easily going to get there. Um, but the style is what surprised me. Um, Boon Holzer's done a great job. I can't believe Brooke Lopez has taken like 50 foot threes every <laughs> game. I mean, it's, he really has, he's like yeah. kind of changed that offense. He, he is a huge piece of why, Uh, They're so different because Giannis isn't, you know, he's not striping it from deep. Um, So Milwaukee's taking a ton of threes. They're making a ton of threes. Their offense looks amazing. I I just am really, really shocked at how quickly they have changed stylistically. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah.
3: Middleton's but, been Middleton's been unbelievable for them too.
2: Crazy, that guy has a huge payday coming. Yeah,
3: uh, yeah. And I don't. Yeah, we'll see if Milwaukee can
2: can retain him. They're they're damn sure going to try. But Milwaukee looks good. They can win the Eastern Conference. That's my early season surprise. Outside of that, uh, I am just smiling from ear to ear about what I see in Washington right now. I one of my uh, <laughs> off the record predictions before um, this season. I got a buddy who's a big John Wall Kentucky guy. You guys know who he is. Yeah, uh, but I told him I was like, "Look, man, they brought Dwight Howard in that locker room. This is where it breaks. Like, yeah. and he hasn't played yet. We just wait until he rolls out there. <laughs> just wait until uh, throw him the ball six times a game and uh, let him backboard with, yeah. with uh, his shot. But it, it's disaster there, BG. They they gotta get off something, right? They have to yeah. shed these contracts. I mean, next it, uh,
3: Porter, po- B. Porter.
2: and Wall are gonna make a combined hundred million dollars next year. They gotta po- shed one of these."
3: Porter and Beal are, are movable, but man, it would be it would sting to move Beal because he's such a he's such a damn good player. Uh, Wall, you can't trade him. Like you're you're, you're he's just he's just he, you're just stuck with it. You're married to him, so, uh, Washington. So yeah, it's crazy.
2: I somebody threw this trade at me last night, and I actually think it's it's quite interesting. I've not thought about this. Wall, I mean, obviously you'd have to throw in other stuff to make the cap, you know, to make the numbers work. But yeah, Wall for uh, Jimmy Butler, straight up. Whew.
1: Like, it makes some
2: sense, you know? No, like it does. I it, mean... This guy, you know, they stay competitive. Um, Washington gets off a, a shit ton of money. They get Town- a guy back. You know what I mean? It makes some sense.
3: Towns and Wall would be awesome together. Yeah. That's dynamic, pick and roll, pick and pop. Beal could run the offense in my... In, you know, Beal and Sadoransky could run the offense for the Wizards. Both those guys are capable. And Jimmy would... I mean, man, they could... I mean... Some of their small ball lineups with Porter and, and Morris and, and Beal and, and Butler, I mean, would be <laughs> would be would be interesting to see. But um, yeah, we'll see. The, the Jimmy Butler situation is a whole other conversation that we don't have time for. So, um, but yeah, anyways, been crazy. Ten ten percent of the way through the year already here.
2: It's wild. It really is. Um, well, good stuff. Look, let's get out of here. Yeah. Uh, so this was Richie. Are you on here? I'm on here. Yeah. Okay, this is episode 77, correct? That's correct. I almost had
3: to remind you before we started because I, I figured you'd forget about this one. I don't know why. Oh, you,
2: you, you knew uh, he's got he's, he's literally holding his baby in the background. got a lot of uh, he, but every single time he's got to remind me what episode it is, you know. So that's how organized <laughs> I am. Um, so episode 77 of Buzzbeat Radio. Again, thank you guys um, for listening. Um you know, we do it for y'all and, and and our listenership and how much support we've gotten is why we keep doing this. So so let's keep that up. BG, uh, let's make this a new habit, too. Tell folks where they can find you on Twitter.
3: Yeah, find me on Twitter at BGuys underscore Bird. That's B-G-E-I-S underscore Bird, B-I-R-D. And, of course, you can also check our stuff out at Sports Channel 8 on Twitter, at Sports Channel 8 on Twitter, no spaces. Or also, I write a lot at accsports.com, Sports.com. actually my full-time job. You can find stuff there at accsports.
2: Cool, cool. Uh, you can find Richie at Richie Randall on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at QCH Spencer. Make sure you're checking out Queen City Uh Noah Purser, the new man, uh, managing editor over there, is doing a fantastic job, a lot of great content. Um, so make sure you check that out. Uh, and then, yeah, well, BG Plug Sports Channel 8. Don't forget, we are a proud member of the Almighty Baller Podcast Network. Uh, we will be back probably next week. Again, a lot of life stuff going on. You know, that stuff gets in the way. So we're on a little bit more of a uh, an inconsistent schedule this year. But we're going to get it to you guys. Don't worry. Just hang in there with us. Um, and it looks like we're going to have a fun season to talk about here. So until next time, for BG, for myself, for Richie, we'll see you later. Go Hornets.